0: You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. All right, class, it's time for a math lesson. Let's say Little King has a five-game winning streak. That's positive five. Then he loses eight straight games. Is Little King still positive? Is he even? Or has he once again, for the third time this season, taken a massive step back? Kings fall to the Washington Wizards last night, 123-111, to wasting another 30-plus point game from De'Aaron Fox. Going through this eight-game losing streak, looking at the tiny leads and massive deficits that the Kings have suffered in most of these games is shocking. I'm going to tell you about that. Plus, Rashawn Holmes is out for at least the next couple of games. Marvin Bagley is set to rejoin the team in Phoenix. He hasn't been with the team at all, which I think is still a terrible look. And is it time for the Kings just to outright shut it down this season? We're talking about it all on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. If you're looking for in depth analysis, game by game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's show is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our locked on rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento Sports Radio host for the last six years. This is season number seven for me, covering the Kings both as an on-air host and multimedia journalist. And yes, the Kings lost again. No surprise. Final score, 123-111 to against the Washington Wizards, a game where the Kings gave up 42 points in the first quarter. That's fine. Not a big deal. But once again, it was the Kings playing catch-up falling behind by 19 points early and trying to catch up. I don't care what team you're playing. I don't care if you're playing the best team, the worst team in the league, an average team. If you fall behind by double digits, 15-plus points, it is very hard to make up that gap. Now, with the points scored and how quickly points are scored in the modern NBA, it's certainly easier than maybe it was 10, 15 years ago. But right now, still, if you fall behind early, especially to a team that has assets and weapons on offense like Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook of the Washington Wizards, if you fall behind by 19 points and then decide that you want to play with energy and then decide that you want to try and play on the defensive end and fight your way back, you're screwing yourselves over. This is why Doug Christie says on the broadcast that the Kings are really playing against themselves. They keep falling into the same mistakes, the same holes. They put themselves into deep holes early, and then they decide that they want to wake up. I don't know if it's just a lack of preparation. I don't know if, actually, I asked head coach Luke Walton and Hassan Whiteside this after last night's game. I don't know if teams are coming into Sacramento just with a swagger and an expectation that they can beat up on the Kings in the first five to eight minutes of a game. It certainly looks that way. Why does it look like... When teams are either playing in Sacramento or against Sacramento, the layup lines during warm-ups just continue through the first five minutes of the game. Why does it look like the Kings are incapable of staying in front of anybody until they warm themselves up in the first quarter? That should not happen. The Kings get caught flat-footed almost every single night, with the exception of when they take the initiative in a game like the Utah Jazz game, Because the Kings recognize that they have to take the initiative if they want a chance in hell to beat the number one team in the Western Conference. That's where we talk about playing to the level of your competition. But everybody knew. Everybody on the Kings knew. Everybody in the Golden 1 Center knew. Everybody watching at home knew that with the weapons that the Wizards have and with the consistent struggles of this Kings team so far during this eight-game losing streak, how the Kings came out, how they set the tone on both ends of the floor was probably going to decide who was going to win this game or, or more accurately going to decide if the Kings had a chance in this game. And lo and behold, once again, right away, they were punched in the mouth, falling behind by 19 points, then deciding that they wanted to play defense. And at times, the Kings did play some decent defense in this game. They forced 26 turnovers. They scored 38 points off those 26 turnovers, and they still lost by 12. You know how freaking difficult that is to do? Give the Kings an award for that. I don't know if that's ever been done, scoring 38 points off of 26 turnovers and still losing by double digits. Well done, Kings. Well done. Put a banner up in the Golden 1 Center for that with just that stat. I think that's something to celebrate almost. That goes to show how bad the Kings' half-court offense was and still how bad the defense was that they could force 26 turnovers, score 38 points on those 26 turnovers, and still allow 123 points. That's how bad this team is. And I'm really not here anymore for the, oh, the offense is so much better than the defense and the Kings are only needing to lean on their offense to outscore their opponents. I'm not here for that anymore because the Kings' offense has been dreadful consistently throughout this entire losing streak. Now, they've had stretches where they look good. They've had individual players that look good, like De'Aaron Fox scoring 33 points last night. Buddy Healed looked really good shooting the basketball coming back from his illness with 19 points last night. That's awesome. They have these individual little fun blips and runs that they go on, but throughout the full 48 minutes, if I were to look at the offense of this Kings team, throughout the full 48 minutes of every single one of these games, I would say they have not been good. And if the offense has not been good on average, for the full 48 minutes, imagine what the defense is. I went back and I looked at the stats from every single one of these eight games during this losing streak, and I looked at the Kings' largest lead and their largest deficit. We'll start with last night. Their largest lead against the Wizards, 1. Their largest deficit against the Wizards, 19. How about against the Pelicans? Their largest lead, 4. Their largest deficit, 26. Against the Jazz, their largest lead, 11. Their largest deficit, 16. 16. Against the Pistons, their largest lead, 2. Their largest deficit, 22. Against the Timberwolves, their largest lead, 8. Their largest deficit, 11. Against the Bucks, their largest lead, 2. Their largest deficit, 13. Against the Lakers, their largest lead, 2. Their largest deficit, 27. And against the Spurs, their largest lead, 4. Their largest deficit, 23. Five out of those eight games, the Kings have fallen behind by 15 or more points in the first half and had to try and play catch-up. Three out of the last four games, that has been the case, with the exception of the Utah Jazz game when they got off to a halfway decent start and then blew it within a couple of minutes. That is the state of your Sacramento Kings. They've had one lead over double digits during this eight-game losing streak, and it was against the Jazz, the best team that they've played in this stretch. Does that not tell you everything you need to know about playing to the level of your competition? Meanwhile, they've also only had leads of one, two, 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 and four against the Wizards, Pistons, Bucks, Lakers, and Spurs. That is your Sacramento Kings team, ladies and gentlemen. That blew my mind. Four out of those eight games, the Kings have trailed by 20 or more. Wild. I mentioned Fox's good game last night. 33 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds, and 6 steals. Quite the stat line for Fox. It is the 16th time this season that De'Aaron has scored 30 or more points in a game. If I had told you that that was going to be a stat at the beginning of the season, we all would have been celebrating, right? The idea that De'Aaron Fox would score 30 or more points 16 times to this point in the season. What would you have guessed the record would have been? at least 500 8 and 8 maybe one or two games over 500 9 and 7 or 10 and 6 nope ladies and gentlemen your Sacramento Kings in the 16 games this season that DeAaron Fox has scored 30 or more points are 7 and 9 and it feels like it could be a lot worse but it still is bad what that tells me is fox still needs a ton of help the kings still have a long way to go in surrounding fox with stars Tyrese Halliburton, I know he's a rookie, and he built some pretty high expectations for himself with how he started this season. He's dropped off. He struggled last night, eight points and six assists off the bench. He needs to step up more. We know Buddy Heald's having a down year shooting the basketball. Rashawn Holmes has been fantastic, but we don't know if the Kings are going to bring him back. Marvin Bagley, who we thought was going to be the Robin DeFox's Batman initially, is not even with the team right now and is probably on the way out this offseason. I wouldn't blame Fox if he felt like he was standing alone on an island right now. And after the game, I'm not sure if you saw the video on social media. You might have saw it in the TV broadcast. The Kings dribbled out the clock. The ball was in Fox's hands. And as the final buzzer sounded, Fox just launched the ball in frustration and walked right off the floor without even saying good game to anybody. Just walked right off, ripping off his jersey. De'Aaron also didn't speak with the media last night. I'm 100% okay with that. What the hell is he going to say? I feel bad for him. And I tweeted out last night, and some might have interpreted it as a joke. It really wasn't. I hope that we do not see that clip in an ESPN or SportsCenter package a year or two down the road with the headline, De'Aaron Fox asks out of Sacramento or demands a trade. I really hope that's not the case. Because when the Kings re-sign De'Aaron, De'Aaron is committed to this city. He says he wants to play here. He wants to bring a championship to these fans. He knows what that would do for his legacy. He has no animosity towards the city. But how many years of his career do you think he wants to waste being the best player on a god-awful inconsistent team? Sacramento has expectations to start competing as early as next season. If that's going to be the case, they need to prove to De'Aaron that they're willing to do that by going out, spending big money on significant names if they can, making aggressive trades, and trying something. If this crap continues for another couple seasons... I would encourage Fox to demand a trade instead of wasting his career here. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes like Fiat, Kia, and models, Pacifica, XT5, it is now impossible to stock all of the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? I don't even know what that means. And why wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand that his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than the changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. You can get the exact parts that you need at the click of a button. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com A few hours before the game yesterday, the Sacramento Kings announced that Rashawn Holmes underwent an MRI and confirmed a right hamstring strain. Of course, he didn't play last night. He's not going to play tonight in Phoenix, not even with the team tonight, nor is he traveling with the team to the game against Dallas. After that, he'll be reevaluated or will be updated On his status, but with no Rashawn Holmes, the Kings have little to no chance in any of these games in my mind. I gave them little chance last night against the Washington Wizards and we saw right away how little of a presence the Kings had defensively in the paint. We will definitely get an idea of truly how important Rashawn is to this team over this stretch that he is out and it will probably remind everybody why the Kings absolutely need to make it a top priority to bring him back. Resign him this offseason like Henry Turner and I talked about on yesterday's Locked on Kings podcast. You can go back and listen to my full conversation with the former Sacramento King and current Kings radio broadcaster, the high flyer Henry Turner. We discussed Rashawn Holmes. We talked about this team's lack of vocal leadership. Go and check that out if you haven't heard it already. Unfortunately, I didn't get the chance to ask him about the optics of Marvin Bagley not being with the team at all during another injury. I would have been curious to hear his opinion on how that looks and if that is normal in his mind as a former player. Because to me, it looks horrible. Absolutely horrible. This is not the first time I've talked about it on Locked on Kings. When we initially heard that he was not with the team after the injury, I expressed my displeasure with that, especially when while Tyrese Halliburton was out, he was with the team the entire time. While Hassan Whiteside was out, he was with the team the entire time, with the exception of when he was under COVID protocol. Uh, Chemezi Metu, when he went down with his injury, he was with the team the entire time. Rashawn Holmes is not traveling with the team during these two games, but you best believe he's going to be on the sidelines during home games and will probably travel with the team as soon as he is able to. Everybody else sticks around, still is involved in practice, certainly doesn't just go home to recover, and I don't care how the Sacramento Kings want to present it. Truth be told, I don't believe a press release or I hear head coach Luke Walton or somebody say, yeah, Marvin has been separated from the team to recover, but we are in constant communication with him, and we look forward to immediately reinserting him into the lineup as soon as he becomes available. Why the hell wouldn't you have Marvin continue to recover here, still be involved in team film sessions, still be involved in practice in some capacity? Why not that? Why does the guy have to go home to Arizona to hang out with his family, who verbally says on social media that they want him out of Sacramento? Why go through all that, if not to make it perfectly clear where Marvin Bagley and the Sacramento Kings currently stand? We found out during the trade deadline that the Kings tried to shot Bagley to a couple of teams and could not get the value that they wanted. It's also been made clear that Marvin wants out of Sacramento and wants a new start. And if there was any doubt towards either of those avenues, if there was any hope of the Kings trying to work it out with Marvin, trying to figure out a way to make him a long-term part of this Kings team, you basically killed it by allowing or maybe even encouraging Marvin to stay away from the team while recovering from another injury. And now he's going to be rejoining the team tonight when they are oh so conveniently coming to his hometown in Phoenix to play the Suns. Look, if you don't want Marvin on your team, if Marvin doesn't want to play for the team, let him stay home. Who cares? You're not going to trick anybody by bringing Marvin back into your lineup Giving him free reign to score as many points as he wants, take as many shots as he wants, try and pad his stats in the hopes to convince some team out there that he's worthy of a decent trade package. Nobody's that stupid. Everybody can look at the Kings and Marvin Bagley situation and know that both parties want to move on, meaning you don't have to offer much to get that job done. I think Marvin Bagley leaving this offseason is a foregone conclusion. And to be completely honest with you, I'm not picking sides here. I'm not Team Kings or Team Bagley on this. I think a split is necessary. I think both sides are plenty to blame. I think Marvin and his entire camp are foolish to believe that all of their problems are because of the Sacramento Kings. And I think the Sacramento Kings are foolish to believe that how they've handled Marvin Bagley has been correct and is going to result in them getting a halfway decent trade package for a number two overall pick. Now, at the same time, Monty McNair was not the guy who selected Marvin. So it's really not on him that Marvin's tenure here in Sacramento to this point has been an absolute failure, that he's been another busted draft pick in the long history of King's busted draft picks. It's not Monty's problem, but I know Monty would like to get something instead of just rags for a player who still has potential to be halfway decent in this league if he can stay healthy and find the right situation. And there's a very good chance that the Kings will move on from Marvin. He will go into another situation, and he will perform better. If he can stay healthy, I think Marvin could be an excellent piece, whether it's as a starter or as a bench contributor. Problem is the Kings can't do it right. Should the Kings just shut it down this season? I'm asking you because I'm not entirely sure where I stand on this at the moment. The Kings are currently five games back of both the Spurs and the Warriors in the 10th and 9th seats but with the Pelicans in between them. And this isn't even about draft picks. This is not about tanking for lottery odds. Just should the Kings shut it down this year, play De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton together as much as you can to get them comfortable with each other. Give opportunities for playing time for Robert Woodard, for Kyle Guy, for Jamias Ramsey, Chemezi too, to decide if you want to bring any of those guys back and ultimately punt away this maybe misguided hope that the Kings had a chance to make the play-in, and even if they did, it would have been a success. It's still not impossible, and I imagine while there is a possibility mathematically for the Kings to make it, they will continue to try and go for it. I still believe the Kings are going to be all about winning for the remainder of this season no matter what. But are we at the point now where it's safe to say that going for the play-in tournament, deciding not to make major moves at the trade deadline and sell some of their players, be sellers at the deadline, are we at a point to say that that was the wrong move? Or are we not quite there yet? Guarantee you, the Kings lose to the Suns and Mavericks in these next two games, which I imagine they will. This losing streak hits double digits, goes to 10. It's probably around that point where I'd be willing to say they made the wrong choice. Warriors are starting to wake up. The Spurs are a better team than the Kings, in my mind. The Pelicans are a better team than the Kings, in my mind, and also have the tiebreaker over Sacramento. And look at the upcoming schedule. I mentioned the Suns tonight, then the Mavericks. You get the Timberwolves twice at home. That's nice, but you've already lost to them this season, so why should I believe you won't lose at least another one of those? Then you get the Warriors and Mavericks again, the Jazz, the Lakers, the Mavericks again, Thunder, Pacers, Spurs, Thunder, Thunder, Grizzlies, Grizzlies, and Jazz, and that's it. If the Kings want to make the play-in tournament and make up those five games over these final 17, how many do they have to win? 10? 11? 12 maybe? Good luck finding me 12 wins in there. Even if you want to give the Kings all three of the Thunder games, both of those T-Wolves games, both of the Grizzlies games, that's only seven. To me, it's really starting to look like the Kings gambled and it didn't pay off. And now, they're potentially paying the consequences. And the way they make up for this failed gamble is having a very active and successful offseason. Very soon, the spotlight is going to be on Monty McNair and the King's front office alone. You may be new to town, but part of taking this job is embracing the King's history of losing and the impatience overall of this city and its fan base. You don't get three summers, you get one. And if the Kings aren't significantly better, an established team, certainly not the worst defense in NBA history, and a team that should be in the conversation for seeds eight through six, at least, if you're not there by next season, I guess I'll be praying for you. I'm trying not to laugh looking at the line for tonight's Kings versus Phoenix Suns game. Sacramento on the second night of a back-to-back after losing last night. No Rashawn Holmes in this game against a rested Phoenix Suns team. The Suns are favored by 12 and a half points tonight and that might not even be enough. You can bet on tonight's game as well as the rest of the NBA action, MLB, NHL all going on right now on BetOnline.ag the official sports gambling partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline is you covered for all the news, the scores, and the odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code LOCKEDON. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The Kings play the second place Phoenix Suns tonight, which might be a good thing because we know the Kings play up to the level of their competition. Maybe they'll get off to a halfway decent start. I still expect them to lose this game, probably by double digits. Kings did have success against the Phoenix Suns at the very beginning of this season, but I think it's safe to say that this team is very different from where they were at that point in time, not to mention missing Rashawn Holmes. I give the Kings no chance in this one tonight, but I actually do want to spend a little bit of time talking about the Phoenix Suns because it wasn't too long ago, only a couple seasons ago, where their ownership, their management was getting absolutely torn to shreds. They were one of the laughingstock teams in the NBA. And now look at them. The addition of Chris Paul with that young core of Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, not to mention one of the best benches in the NBA. Suddenly the Phoenix Suns are 39-15, and 15, second place in the Western Conference, just a game and a half back of the Jazz in first. Now, I don't know if I give the Suns a lot of potential to actually come out of the West, make it to the NBA Finals, and win the NBA Finals this year. I don't think they're quite there yet. But that just goes to show you what a solid young core plus the addition of a star and a game-changing star, an incredibly smart star like Chris Paul, can do for a team immediately. It wasn't long ago where this team was being told that they shouldn't be playing in the Orlando bubble. They go undefeated in that Orlando bubble, make a trade for Chris Paul, and here they are. Got to give Monty Williams so much credit for what he has done in these first two years coaching the Phoenix Suns. Monty Williams a guy that I would have loved for the Kings to at least go out and interview Because if he were on this Sacramento bench, I have a feeling that things might be a little bit better. Then again, maybe not, because this Kings team is so damn inconsistent that I think it goes beyond coaching. Either way, the Suns are the prime example of how quickly it can turn around if you do things the right way. And I believe that Suns model is what Monty McNair is looking for. Trying to keep this team flexible enough, the salaries flexible enough, so that they can be in a position to acquire a star in a trade or in free agency that can boost this team. And maybe he's going to try and do that as early as this summer. Who knows? But I love the Phoenix Suns. I'm proud of them. I'm proud of how they're playing. I'm looking forward to watching them tonight, even if they beat the living crap out of the Sacramento Kings. I don't care. I like Phoenix. I like the way they play. And from a Kings perspective, Phoenix's turnaround gives me a little bit of hope here in Sacramento. But again, my expectations for tonight's game are really low. What are your expectations? What do you predict for tonight's game? Your thoughts on Marvin Bagley rejoining the team? Your thoughts on Rashawn Holmes being out? Your thoughts on the Kings shutting it down or not? Any comments you have on last night's game? Share them with me at Matt George Radio on Twitter. You can tweet me publicly or DM me privately there, or email me mgeorge@saclocalmedia.com. I do want to end today's podcast on a positive personal note. Those of you who follow me on Twitter and on social media may know this already or have seen the announcement this morning, but there have been a few days over the last couple months that I have missed recording a Locked on Kings episode because of some personal family issues to take care of. I am very happy to announce that my wife, Brittany, and I are expecting our first child in August, a baby boy, due late August, maybe early September. We'll have to wait and see, but... My wife and I officially announced that this morning. I wanted to make sure I shared it with you all here on the Locked on Kings podcast. Those of you who have already sent messages or who are going to send messages, thank you so much. I look forward to bringing another Kings fan here into the world. Maybe have him guest host with me from time to time here on Locked on Kings. He might be more entertaining than I am. I say that to thank you for all the support that you've shown me, all the support that you've shown the Locked on Kings podcast. I'm very excited to continue hosting this podcast throughout the fatigue of being a new father and any parents out there who have advice please send them my way but i promise you the locked on kings podcast will continue i'm not going anywhere i'm gonna have to work out a balancing act of being a new parent and hosting this pod but i will make it work the content will continue to come and we will continue to get through these king seasons together Enjoy the game tonight. Have yourselves a great day. I'll be back to chat with you tomorrow. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.